pretty and all that stuff. <laughs> just, um, yeah, come over here, Matt. Just had a, a real picture or, I don't know, something from God, just about courage. Um, and I don't know if any of you guys have ever been to places like Bewley Rock Holes and stuff like that, and no doubt a lot of you have. Um, and you see the kids jumping in the water and maybe you've done it at some stage or maybe you missed out in life and have never done it. But there's times when you stand on the edge and you're looking over and you're going, I can't do this. (laughs) You know, there's that feeling of like, I know I can't, and then you sort of take this step out. Yeah, right, that's it, I'm just going to go. I'm just going to do it. And you, nah, fall back a bit and... uh, Sometimes you climb down and go a bit lower to wherever you feel comfortable. But there's always that time when there's something that's just a little bit scary. It's a little bit out there and you're just like, can't do anything. But then you just say, I'm going to do it. And you jump and it's like you can't take it back. You sort of, it's not like the cartoons where you hover in the air for a bit and you could grab back onto the ledge. It's too late. You're on your way and um, whatever happens, happens. Most of the time it's all right. And um, the Bible talks about a place where people have to go that's not a good place, the lake of fire. And and it's interesting when you read through the people that go there, you go, yeah, yeah, I understand why they go there. Yep, the liars, the, you know, the thieves, I understand that. But there's, a, there's one word there that always sticks in my memory and I just felt like God just wants to bring that out today, that one of the peoples that goes there is the cowards. And to me, that's always just struck me as something weird in a way. But it really takes courage to live as a man or a woman of God. And it takes courage to take that step through the veil, what we're talking about in communion, where you're just saying, does this mean I have to abandon everything if I want to live for Christ? Well, absolutely. Jesus said, if you don't lay your life down for me, it's just not going to work. Unless you're prepared to give up all these things. For me, you know, your, your brothers, your sisters, your family, and, and riches and houses. And he says, but then he says, but when you finally do it, you'll have much more of all of those things. You'll have more brothers, more sisters, more houses, more homes, all those sorts of things as you gather into that body of Christ. And just want to encourage you this morning that as Matt brings his word, there might be things there that you're saying, I just can't do that. That's just too much of a leap of faith for me. And you sort of stand on the edge and you're like, oh yeah, maybe I'll live for God a little bit and I'll just give up this little bit. But then maybe I'll hang on to these things. Just have some courage. Just don't be that coward that, that is afraid and doesn't ever do anything because they're too afraid of the consequences. In God, there is nothing bad, honestly. He is light. It says that there's just not one ounce of darkness in him, not one ounce, not one little smidgen even, or even less. It's nothing. He is pure light, pure life. But it's just taking that step, the thrill of of God is just amazing and, and there's one verse I read during the week and in Psalms and and it said this, God you thrill me and I was like, wow I never really read that before 
God, you thrill me. It's like, this is exciting. You're just amazing. And, and you know, it's like when you get a thrill, it's just like, whoa. You know, I never expected that. But that's what it's like, life with God, when you enter into that place. You suddenly get that, God, you thrill me. But if you don't, if you never step over the edge, you know, it's like those butterflies in the stomach. You're like, ooh, 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 splash. (laughs) But until you take that leap, you won't understand the goodness of God. And there'll be some things here that no doubt that we're all going to be challenged in. Are you going to take the leap today? Matthew, over to you. Well, let's just uh, pray together. Dear Lord, I just uh, thank you for this morning. I thank you that we are here once again together. And uh, I thank you that uh, you are who you are, that uh, you are supreme and you reign over all things. And I just pray this morning that you would uh, speak through me, that you won't allow me to get in the way of what's needing to be said this morning. And I just pray for all of us that uh, we are ready and willing to hear the things that you want to say to us this morning. Amen. So today we're up to part two of our uh, Shades of White series, 50 Shades of White series. And um, if you think back a couple of weeks, Neil talked to us um, about what this is all about. It's all about purity and the purity that God intended for us to have. And if you remember, he had an example of two cups. Everyone remember the two cups? There was the two cups, they looked identical. One had the pure water, one had pure water, and then he threw in a whole heap of rubbish. And Yeah, thanks, Nathan. Nathan remembers because he had to come up and, and drink. And uh, <laughs> what a good example that uh, we can be all good looking on the outside, but it's what on, on the inside that really counts. And that, uh, that with God, we can't cover up anything. And that uh, even a little bit of dirt in our lives can spoil the purity that God has for us. And then last week, Isaac spoke to us on sexual purity and the effects of pornography in particular that's having uh, in society today and how pornography has become a perversion of perfect love that, that God has for us. And that pornography is a socially accepted norm in today's society and that we are becoming slaves to sin and that sin is allowing Satan to gain a grip over our lives and take control. But he also spoke about God's Holy Spirit and how it allows us to come alongside and rise up against Satan and defeat him. And he challenged us about the Israelites' experience in the wilderness and that possibly that wasn't such a bad thing to be cut off from the world, to have no distractions. It was a time where God could prepare and provide and a time for God to fill his people with his culture and his regulations, to cleanse them from what they had come from and to prepare them for what was ahead in the promised land. And this week as we continue... Um, we're focus, continuing to focus on purity and, and today specifically I'm looking at conforming to the world. 
and um, being pushed constantly for self-gratification. The world that we live in today is a fast-moving place. It never stops. It's 24-7. It's always in our face. We live in a world in Australia and in first world countries where the attitude is one of impatience. It's about self-promotion. It's all about me. I have to have what I want right now. It's all about selfishness. And society says that if it feels good, then we should do it. Now, interestingly, the other day I was, uh, I was driving home from basketball training with one of my mates I play uh, basketball with, um, and he's not a Christian guy, and somehow our conversation got around to um, the attitudes of the society that we're living in. And his comment to me was that people can do whatever they want, whatever makes them feel good, as long as it doesn't have any impact on me. And I thought that's, that pretty much sums up the world that we live in, isn't it? It's all about me. It's all about I want to do what I want to do and I'll take any measure to get it, but then if we're on the receiving end of something that someone else wants to do, then it's going to be a problem. We live in a world where our goal, or we're told our goal is to chase after power, to chase after money, after possessions, after popularity and fame. And we live in a time when technology is everywhere, to the point where it's almost inescapable. Society today is driven by media and advertising. There is advertising absolutely everywhere we look. And I was actually going to use an example this morning. I was going to say, you know, oh, look, we're all wearing shirts with brands and whatever on it, but I'm looking around and, <laughs> well done, everyone. We're not conforming to the world in that way. But um, you know what I mean? Like, we go out and we buy clothes that have a particular logo on or a particular slogan because we want people to see us in that because it makes us something. We pay for the privilege of being seen as a walking billboard. And we also live in a world that is information rich to the point of overload. I can pull out my phone and I can find out the latest world news. I can find out scores of uh, games and whatever at the click of a button. Anywhere I am, I can actually go fishing out on a billabong in Kakadu and uh, get emails. And I did that last Friday, I must say. Um, and we, that's, that's the world that we live in today, that, that we live in a world of Google, of YouTube. We live in a world of Twitter and Facebook. We live in a world where technology is everywhere. It's in our houses, it's in our cars, it's in our pockets. And we are surrounded by and, in fact, immersed in a world that is constantly telling us what to wear, what to eat, what to drink, what to look like, and many other things as well, all in order for us to be accepted in the world that we live in today. Recently, I heard a statement that says this. In our society today, a person is presented with more information and more advertising in one day than a person who lived 100 years ago would have seen in their entire lifetime. 
Let me just repeat that. In the world we live in today, a person is presented with more information and advertising in one day than a person who lived 100 years ago would have seen in their entire lifetime. And we need to be asking ourselves, what are we doing with all of that information? What are we doing with all the stuff that the world is throwing at us? With the rise of social media like Facebook, Twitter and YouTube, that information pile is just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And we need to decide what we're going to do with it. The main driving force behind social media and the reason it's becoming so popular is that it's pushing the values of the world today, the values of popularity and fame. Social media is all about getting recognised and having your say and also being better than anyone else, saying, oh, look what I've got, look what I'm having for lunch, you know, look what I'm doing. And the world of social media is all about how many friends we might have or how many followers or how many views of our video clips that we upload we might have. Facebook's a great thing. I mean, uh, Karen shared this morning about contact with, um, with Odette and it's great for keeping in contact with family and friends and you can do things like join the Cornerstone Facebook page. Uh, if you haven't, I encourage you to because Neil's putting up some really great stuff there every day or so. But it's also all about self-promotion. It's all about putting your name out there, being recognised, making yourself something in this world. Kids and young people today, and in fact even adults too, spend or can spend hours deciding what photo to post up on Facebook so that it gets their right side and it looks just right. It's all about presenting what we want the world to see. There are other users who spend vast quantities of time deciding what they're going to post. You know, what message should I post out there that everyone can see? To the point where it becomes something that is so stressful um, that they don't know what to do with themselves if they haven't posted anything and it becomes a real struggle. And then there's the others who don't give any thought at all to what they're posting on Facebook and just post absolutely everything about, you know, what I had for breakfast and I did this and I went and filled the car up and then I did this and, you know, you know the ones. All of that adds to the information flow that the world is throwing at us. And there's also a need, as, as we get involved in Facebook and Twitter and all that kind of stuff, there, there, there becomes this need to see what everyone else is doing. Oh, I've got to see what everyone's doing. You know, what photos are being put up? What's, what's going on? And it's getting to the point now where it is an obsession and to the point where it is an addiction. The last thing we do at night before we go to bed is we check Facebook and make sure that, you know, nothing exciting is happening and, and we're not missing out. And the first thing we do in the morning is we log on to Facebook and, and all of that. But the thing with social media is it's all about presenting ourselves to the world, showing the world what we want the world to see, not, not everything. It's a, it's, a, it's a hidden... There's a whole heap of hidden stuff there. There's things that we hide away from, um, that we hide away from the world and, and things that we don't want anyone to know about. 
But as Neil shared at the start of this series in Luke 12, it says that what is whispered behind closed doors will be shouted from the rooftops. And I think this verse isn't about making us feel inadequate or have some sort of overbearing sense of shame in the presence of God because of the things that we have hidden away, but in actual fact it's a relief, or it should be, that there's no need to pretend with God because He knows everything. He knows us intimately and the things that we hide away are becoming a blockage to Him doing things in our lives. God knows us intimately. We read in Psalm 139 that you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment laid out before a single day had even passed. God knows us intimately. He knows our faults and failures. He knows the things that we do in secret behind closed doors. But wonderfully, God chose to redeem and not to condemn. God doesn't hold those things against us, so why are we holding on to them? Jesus' death on the cross took our sin, making us holy and pure. And God has a plan for us, which is so much more than what the world has to offer for us, as Neil was talking about earlier, just before. God has designed us and called us not to fit in in this world. We're not to conform. In Matthew 5, we read that we are called to be the salt and light of the world, that we are to stand out in, a wor- in the world and not bring the same flavour that the world has, that we let the light of God shine out from us into the dark world that we live in. It's not all about being liked and having heaps of friends and followers, as we may have on the, in the online world. But we, re- we need to retain a flavour that is God-given. And we need to be mindful of the time that we commit to God and the time and effort that we are committing to the world in an attempt to fit in. We need to be constantly asking ourselves the why behind the what. What am I doing and why am I doing it? Are we doing things for our own personal gain, for our own satisfaction to make ourselves feel good or are we doing things to glorify God and to shine his light out into this world as we are called? Now imagine if you will a nice big fat juicy steak. Okay, now stay with me, it's not lunchtime yet. Okay, now now imagine taking that steak and you, you whip up some nice saucy sort of concoction and you put the, the steak in it, you marinate it and the steak sits in that for a period of time. And the longer that the meat sits in there, the more the flavour of the sauce that we've created permeates the meat. And the meat can do all that it wants to say, no, 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 I don't want to taste like that. But the fact of the matter is that sitting in there, it's going to get in and it's going to change the flavour of the meat. That same example can be applied to our lives. What marinade are we sitting in? 
Are we constantly soaking in the values of the world? And despite our best intentions, like the steak, we'll begin to take on the flavours that the world is producing. The same also applies in our relationship with God. The more time we spend soaking in God, chasing after him, seeking his presence, spending time in worship and prayer, the more his flavour will influence our lives. As we spend more time soaking in God's presence, the flavours of the world fall away and in fact lose their flavour. The things of the world don't become so attractive anymore. With the rise of social media has also come the demise of real relationships. People are losing the ability to interact and communicate with people in the same room. We need to be aware of our commitment towards building relationships. We need to be spending quality time together, turning off the TV, putting away the phone, putting away the iPad, turning off the computer. More and more frequently we see people socialising and communicating on their phones, iPads and computers rather than communicating with people in the same room. I was recently at a, uh, at a gathering and I looked around the room and nearly every single person in the room was sitting there on their phone. Have you ever you noticed that's going on? There was very limited conversation between the people that were in the room other than the old, hold, did you see, did you see what this person posted on Facebook or, or have you seen this YouTube video? That was the limit of the conversation that was taking place. The constant feed of information can become an addiction. People can become engrossed in their phones and iPads and interacting with people and information online is easier than relating to people in the same room. It's an attitude of a lazy world. Online communication doesn't require our full attention. It doesn't require the same amount of effort as sitting down and speaking to someone. Having a conversation with someone requires you to put away distractions, to look at them, to listen, to feedback, to give responses. In the online world, we can be sitting on the couch, chatting to someone on Facebook, watching something on TV. You know, there's, it doesn't require that same amount of focus. And so because of that, relationships are falling apart. We need to be protecting our relationships. Google is something that uh, I'm sure all of you are also aware of and very familiar with. And you may think that, uh, that Google is just a search engine that helps you answer the things that you're looking for. But uh, in actual fact, the, their core business is actually advertising and marketing. They track everything that you view. Every website search, every link that you click, and then they store it away. And then next time you come, they'll show you the things that you've been searching for. They'll show you ads for that holiday that you were looking for or that particular 
computer component or whatever. And they've perfected it. They almost know us better than we know ourselves. And it's constantly in our view. I don't know if you've noticed when you go to a website, you've got ads and stuff there. Probably 90% of the websites that have ads use Google ads. And so Google is tracking everything we do. And then they'll put stuff there and we'll find ourselves, oh, that looks interesting, I'll click on that. And then they go to something else and, oh, that looks interesting, I'll go to that. Three hours later, we find we're doing something completely different to what we were supposed to be doing in the first place. And it's customised. I can pull up a website on my computer and the ads that display there will be different to the ads that come up if Neil pulls up the same website on his computer. Google also owns YouTube and they use this same process to lead us astray, if you like. We'll start by looking at one video and then something else comes up that might actually be completely unrelated to the video we're watching. It might be, like for me, I was looking at a Hillsong video the other day and then a whole heap of stuff came up about fishing. And I thought, I'll I'll just click on that. And before I knew it, 40 minutes later had passed and I'd watched all these great videos of guys catching big fish and all that, which is good, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's, what's the point? Advertising is everywhere. It's not just on the net. It's also on our TVs. It's on our, in our magazines and our newspapers. Um, and most people today are in a constant struggle to fit in with the socially accepted norm of physical appearance, of possession and position that is advertised through media today. The world is constantly telling us what we should be. We should be slimmer or fatter, as in some cases, musclier. We should have perfect teeth. We should be taller or shorter. We should be fitter. And I've, just, I've got a video that I just want to show you just quickly this morning, which is the production process for a billboard ad. Okay, did you notice all the things that they did then? Let me just... There's a before and after. Just, I'll just leave that up there for the moment. So not only did this girl sit there for what I imagine is probably hours while they applied a million layers of makeup and did her hair and made it all nice and wavy and all of that. I'm, I'm not up with all of that sort of stuff, but... You know, you get the idea. And, uh, but then so they, 
they took the picture, which I thought actually looked quite good, and then they opened it up in Photoshop, and they uh, they made a neck longer. Do you see that? It was like, you know. They repositioned her eyes. They made them a bit bigger, and then they added a bit more hair, and uh, they increased the size of her lips, and they changed the colour of the lips slightly, and then they, they moved and resized her ears. Um, and then they also did some more colour touching up so that the million layers of makeup that she's got on there wasn't enough to cover up all the blemishes that she had. And so they had to go in and, and, and cover that up as well. And so the end result that we see is a completely different person to the original. And this is a process that happens for every still photo ad or magazine cover or picture of world celebrities that we see. Unless, of course, they're wanting to publish one of those shock pictures, you know, where they get the celebrity with no makeup on and all that kind of stuff. And then they probably do the reverse. They probably, you know, make the nose bigger and add a bit more chub or something like that. But the reality is that it's not real. And this is what the world is trying to achieve. The world is being set up to fail and will always fall short. And so what is the impact of these sorts of ads having on us and having on the world? We need to be protecting ourselves and our young people from trying to achieve the standards of beauty that the world has in front of us. In the supermarket checkout queues that we see all the magazines and in fuel station lines. We need to be seeking God's standard of beauty. In 1 Samuel 16... It says this, For the Lord does not see as a man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And then there's a reading in 1 Peter 3, which is verse 3 and 4, which is specifically aimed at women. Don't be concerned about the outward beauty of fancy hairstyles, expensive jewellery or beautiful clothes. You should clothe yourself instead with the beauty that comes from within, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. Now, this morning I've talked mainly on on Facebook and, and internet stuff, but there's other worldly impacts everywhere around us. It's also in the TV that we watch. It's in the music that we listen to, the radio stations that we listen to, the movies that we go and see at the cinema. It is so easy for us to be sucked into watching and listening to something that is damaging our relationship with God and with others without even thinking about it. We can stumble upon things that are damaging just by flicking through the channels on the TV. And uh, I wonder if we've ever ever sat and watched a TV show or a movie and uh, something's happened in that TV show. A, char- a main character has died or, or there's been some sort of accident or you know, there's some sort of family conflict or some other disaster and we walk away from watching that TV show with all of the anxiety and stresses and gross feelings that come with being in that situation. The things that we watch and that we listen to, we carry with us. 
as much as we might like to say that it doesn't have any sort of impact on us, on us, there is no denying that we carry them with us. There is a saying that says, what has been seen cannot be unseen. And if you think about it, it's really true. As a guy, guys are very, very uh, physically wired and just a glimpse of a magazine cover at the fuel station or flicking the channel on TV can have a lasting impact and it's stuck in there. And we need to be aware of that and know how to handle that, to take those things to God and let him deal with those. In the same way that music and radio programs that we listen to, they, they have a lasting impact on us as well. I remember about three weeks ago, I was, I was driving in my car coming here to worship practice and uh, I don't even remember what I was listening to, but a song came on the radio and um, the lyrics were just, you know, it was, I can't, I can't remember what they are, but before I could turn it off, it was already too late. I felt the impact of those words and it became a blockage. I got to music practice or worship practice on the Thursday night and we got singing into the songs and I was, uh, just, I just couldn't connect into God. And it took time for that feeling to dissolve before I could truly enter into God's presence. Things like that become blockages and they stop us from interacting with God the way that he wants us to. God has a greater plan for our lives, a greater purpose. And God's love will wash us clean and make us pure. But in order to do that, we need to have the courage, as Neil was talking about this morning, to hand those things over to God and ask for his forgiveness. God's love is like a river. It's a river of pure water flowing through a world of muck, and mud, and dirt. And we can choose to come to that river every Sunday and jump in and have a good wash and get out and go back into the world. But as soon as we are back in the world, the world continues its onslaught of junk. It's continually throwing the mud and muck at us and eventually we're covered over. And in the same way, we may go to the river and we may wade in to about knee deep. We think, this is far enough, God, I'm I'm here with you, but there's just a few things out here that I want to hold on to, that I don't think that, that you need to control in my life. And so from knee level down, we're nice and clean, but everything else above the water is just, it's gross. The world's still throwing stuff at us and it sticks and it keeps sticking, and eventually the person that God intends us to be is something completely different from the person that we are. There's no, if you look at a person, there's no sight of what God wants for them. There is layer upon layer of junk, and it becomes a blockage. It's like the demonstration that Neil gave a couple of weeks ago with the cups, that the water becomes stagnant and it becomes impure because of the blockages. But alternatively, we can dive into that river. 
We can let go of our fears and our concerns about the things of this world and dive in, push in deeper and deeper. Diving beneath the surface and being covered by God's love. If we do that, the world can throw all the muck that it wants at us and it's just going to wash away. It won't stick. We will be left clean and bright shining, burning hot to shine out into the darkness. But we need to dive in. We need to have that courage to let go of the things that the world tells us are important and to dive in. And then once we dive in, we need to allow God to carry us on his current as well. It's not just a matter of diving in and then you just say, oh yeah, I'm here now. Because God has a final destination for us and we will always be moving. We need to allow God to continually move us in the current of his love. In the world we live in today, we need to be constantly evaluating what we are allowing to have impact on our lives. We need to be continually asking the why behind the what. The world will never stop. It will never stop flooding us with information and it never stops demanding that we fit in, that we conform. And so we need to be careful that we don't succumb to that, that we don't begin to fit in so that we don't rock the boat. We don't want to give in to the worldly expectations that are put on us. God has so much more for us. God calls us to be different in this dark world. Micah 6.8 says that the Lord has told you what is good and this is what he requires, that you do what is right, that you love mercy and that you walk humbly with God. We're called to love what is right. We are called to walk humbly, to be humble, not to self-promote ourselves like the world tells us that we need to do, not promoting ourselves over others and doing whatever it takes to get on top, no matter who we hurt, no matter what gets in our way. God calls us to stand out and not to conform to the world. Are we soaking in God's love this morning? Are we allowing him to marinate our lives? Are we allowing God's flavouring to shape our perspectives, our thoughts and our actions? In Jeremiah 17, it says, They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep, into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by the long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. How deep are your roots? It is easy to become overwhelmed by the world that we are living in. And I encourage you this morning not to be disheartened and not to be worried, and not to cut ourselves off from that world, for God calls us to be in the world, to be shining his light out. And the things I've talked about this morning 
has been about an awareness. Now that we know the things that the world is out to do, it just it, it changes. It makes us look at things differently. When we go to websites and we see those ads, we think, well, what's, what's the go with that? Why is that there? So yeah, I just encourage you just to, to trust in God, not to be disheartened by all the stuff that is going on in the world. The world is crying out for God and we need to be his shining light in that world. If we decide to step away and cut ourselves off, what's going to happen to all of those that need him? And don't forget that there are lots of good things out there as well. It's not all doom and gloom. Again, like the Cornerstone Facebook page, where Neil has been posting regularly. There's other sites like GodTube. Has anyone seen GodTube? It's very cool. Um, It's got lots of Christian music and church skits and it's good. There's lots of stuff out there. We have access to amazing messages and... uh, and books, and all of that kind of stuff. So let's dive into God's love and his living water and be washed clean, be renewed, and allow God to carry us away on the current of his love to a place that he has for each one of us. Don't miss out by just standing on the bank. Have courage like Neil was talking about this morning at Bewley Rockholes, jumping off that rock. Jump in. It's good. I encourage you to push into God's word. In Hebrews 4, we read, For the word of God is alive and is powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. It cuts between soul and spirit, between joint and morrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. And he is the one to whom we are accountable, not the world. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, Let us hold firm to what we believe. Jesus understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings that we do, yet he did not sin. So let's come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help it when we need it most. Let's pray. Lord, you know our hearts, you know our minds, you know everything about us, you know us intimately, you know the struggles that we face in the world today and the struggles that we will face in the future. I thank you that you are here with us, that you are walking alongside us each step of our journey. I thank you that you died for us, making us clean making us pure and righteous in your sight. Help us, Lord, to have the courage to jump, to jump into your river and be immersed and then to remain in that flow, the flow of your grace and love so that the world around us 
can throw everything at once but won't stick. Help us so that we can be different, that we can have your flavour, that we can be the salt and light that you cause us to be. Thank you, God, for your love and grace. Amen.